0: How you doing? This is Lance Henriksen, and I'm Skyping from the, a planet newly discovered. And you're on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's
1: a naked duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess, and we will give you
0: witchcraft. You think me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message that will bring to all people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up.
2: Five by Saturday night.
0: It's Talkcast 118, and it's a night to remember Happy Chinese New Year on Sci Fi Saturday night. Deep in Area 51, in honor of the Year of the Dragon, I have a Komodo dragon sitting right here beside me. I am the Dome. Joining the Talkcast tonight are the usual suspects in the Revere Time Vortex, our pretty princess of sushi. It's Kriana.
3: I've renamed Mal Mushu in honor of the event.
0: <laughs> well, that will make more sense mo- momentarily. From the stacks of a person in silence zone, in the dank dungeon reading room. According to the fortune cookies, Confucius say it's the zombrarian.
1: I like fortune cookies.
0: <laughs> uh, from the four color vault of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, the spokesperson for Sapporo beer, the drinking swine himself, illustrator
4: X.
3: Isn't Sapporo Japanese? Nice,
0: naughty
4: word. It... Hmm.
3: That's, that's, well, that's Japanese that's naughty beer.
4: word is
0: shuttlecock.
3: Oh, wow. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, but don't... <laughs> and his don't lovely make...
0: ingenue, our own little steam dumpling, the dead redhead.
5: You know, in the Chinese astrology, I'm a double dragon.
3: At least you're not a cock. Yeah, well, I have
0: a funny story about <laughs> the Chinese uh, calendar. <laughs> We're not going there. You're... From her decrepit crypt in the Fields of Joy Cemetery, our contributing producer and miso soup drinker, Drew. Hi. Ah, there she is. And, of course, from the Outpost Gallifrey Nymphomania Catch and Release Center in Mandingo Orchards, Pennsylvania, it's Mr. Mushu Pork himself, awake by Java. Or not. I've, st- I've stunted. Ha <laughs>
3: And... Sorry, I,
0: I
6: had to. Co- I had to. I had to come back out of the hole that I'm digging. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's okay. At least, at in least you know. Room. At least you know what's Japanese beer and what's actually Chinese.
0: Hey, yeah.
2: Ooh, whatever. Oh oh, oh, oh. Our guest
0: tonight, coming in, in the second half of the show, is a gentleman. Who is, if you say the faun in Pan's Labyrinth, if you say Abe Sapien, it's that guy. It's Doug Jones.
3: Whee! Yeah, total squee. Okay, and- everyone, Abe Sapien is my freaking favorite. Okay? My freaking no. favorite. And, focus, <laughs> focus. and he was you in Hocus know, Pocus, darling. and he was on Buffy. Hocus Pocus. And now he's a mine.
4: Yes.
0: And, and now, now he's on, on here. For a, a very and he's going to be joining us in movies. the second half of the show. And I got to tell you, the sound check was more fun than humans would be allowed to have. In any case.
3: You know, it's going to be another one, interview one, two, like that one with that one celebrity that shall remain nameless out of, quiet, you know. Quiet, quiet, and quiet, it's going to be yeah, like, no, were you no, in the oh, Adams no. Family? Oh, you weren't? Oh, right. That was that <laughs> other celebrity. <laughs> was that a question? Oh. No. <laughs>
0: Wasn't And I don't (laughs) care Thank you very
3: much Quite the unfortunate
5: interview Mm -hmm. (laughs)
3: Series of unfortunate Not
0: questions (laughs) This week's poll results Dead Redhead
5: Yes sir Okay I'm going to go a little backwards this time I'm going to do a countdown We usually start with number one I'm going to do a countdown this week See if people like it a little better but we asked our voters who was the most macho guy in science fiction, and we did have quite a few to choose from. But we had a three-way tie for number three, <laughs> which is kind of a, a funny if you when you think about who is part of that three-way tie. Um, oh my! So- <laughs> 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 a menagerie. what? Sorry. So, our, our three-way tie for number three was Wolverine, Worf, and Captain Jack Harkness. Okay, I'll oh, there. baby. <laughs> Let your imaginations run wild, children. That is
0: the worst porn in the universe.
5: Or the best. Or the best or the porn, best. porn <laughs> in the universe. Are you kidding? I'd buy that. Don't
1: just be outvoted.
4: <laughs>
5: So, number two, coming in at number two of the most macho guy in science fiction is none other than he shot fo- first, ladies and gentlemen, Han Solo. Sorry, wait, yeah. just just to go back one. And- I, I, I have a line from
3: that pornography. I didn't know you could retract those.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my.
3: Oh. I got a million of them.
5: And... And I I just want to throw in there. I'm very surprised.
6: Strangely, I Have a Million of Them is also one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
5: God. Sorry. (laughs) Captain James T. Kirk only got one vote I'd like to put out there. So, so Shatner, you need to come on. Bill, come be on our show. We will give you that bump. Sing for us,
3: Bill Shatner. Sing for us.
5: That's right. (laughs) And our number one, uh, this is what I think happened. I think our brown coats got out there because the number one super macho guy in science fiction is Captain Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly. Are you kidding me? No. He's so manly. I mean, he's awesome.
1: And manly. He's awesome, but I don't consider him macho.
4: I think dark helmet. Are you kidding? Is macho. <laughs> you kidding?
1: to me has he's a slightly so remind- negative connotation.
6: Ma- Mal is the is the quintessential macho man. He keeps all of his emotions inside. You know, he 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 doesn't. He, he's gruff in the exterior and he punches people in the face. I think that he's m- pretty macho.
2: I think he's he I,
6: also no. totally wears suspenders. True. <laughs> I, 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 I don't just, know how you can get more macho than suspenders.
3: I' to to as much yeah. of a macho man as the village people are. You I have happen to Chad agree with okay. this vote that William Shatner only deserved one vote because, like, seriously, who's more macho, him or Spock? When your answer is Spock, you have a problem.
0: Uh yeah, uh, I don't totally know if I see Spock
5: see as macho. I mean, I think Shatner just happens to see that macho means sleeping with everything in the galaxy and getting space herpes. But you know, you're here,
0: <laughs> space herpes. Really? <laughs> <laughs> really? Did we have to do that? That's
5: worse than regular yeah. herpes.
0: <laughs> <Definitely>.
5: <laughs>
0: Can survive but in a vacuum.
5: We will have the next. <laughs> we'll have the new one up this by this weekend, guys. Um, I did. I did want to put in one little more piece on a sad note, not that it'll bring us down too much, but on a sad note, we did have a passing this week. At least it was a big one for the dead redhead. Nicole Williamson, who those of you who are Arthurian fans know him as Merlin from Excalibur, um, passed on. He was my favorite Merlin ever. He just had this this way that he seemed like he was 300 years old and he was just kind of given the sassy snap back to arthur so how i'm sorry to see him go
3: how do you, you feel about a stupid the new one pointy
4: hat to play marlin
5: how do you feel about the new version where the new show yeah i can't stand it i tried really? to watch it and i couldn't watch it you don't think it's kind of adorable really yeah,
0: i kind of agree it's... with you i there.
1: couldn't
5: watch it
6: I it's kind, of, kind of it's kind of like uh, I, I'm surprised because it's kind of like Smallville meets King Arthur.
5: <laughs> it kind of uh, is. That's why I can't watch it. <laughs> I just think it's kind of cute. Somebody. No, say... I'm sorry. No, you went sexy. That whole showdown between that Merlin and uh, Dame. Uh, what's her name now? No, no, honey, I, I didn't say no, sexy. Vera. I said
3: cute, as in puppies.
5: Like, they're, they're um, like,
3: they're, just, really they're really young. They're, like, puppy cute, not, like, oh, cute. Like, ugh, no, too young. Yeek. Oh,
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of like Twilight sugar-coated.
3: No, but they, yeah, they do some cute things, totally... though. They do some really off-the-wall things, and if you don't care about things like history and you know accuracy to actual historical texts, and then it's a fun show. If you start caring about all that stuff, you'll get pissed. <laughs> then off. It's fine.
0: Absolutely.:
5: Why I, I can't watch it.: It's loosely inspired
6: <laughs> you know, was by Merlin. A- accuracy, accuracy, accuracy to historical texts, like more to Arthur.
0: Yeah, exactly (laughs) (laughs) You know, there was an interesting article this week uh, That ran on io9 About the ten most undignified deaths In science fiction and fantasy I thought it was probably one of the uh, Cooler articles they've ever put together If anybody has a chance to look at it It's well worth reading My two favorites were Number eight was uh, Don Gennaro In Jurassic Park Who was killed in the toilet
5: Oh, yes.
0: And Anya uh, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who was literally hacked in half in the final episode.
5: Why don't I remember that? I don't remember no, it either. Wasn't. I don't remember her dying. She did die. And
3: she her body was
0: never recovered. Uh... Yes, it
3: was. She died because she was with Andrew in the final battle, and she got stabbed, and then he kind of just left. Well, somebody had to protect Andrew for God's I'm sake. I'm Drew. I would know. <laughs> Trust me.
6: I don't know. I mean, some of these are just un- unremarkable. Like, uh, but one that I'll never forget is from Jurassic Park, uh, when the T-Rex comes and grabs the guy. I remember that one.
0: Oh, that was cool. Yeah, that was a great. That was a great. It was very undignified. Ah.
6: Don't get me wrong. But it, but wasn't it was also death. memorable. It was.
4: That's true. Uh, I, I've i got to go with uh, the one in the Lost World where the two T-Rexes, they, one flips one up in the air and then they pull them apart with their teeth. And I'm like, this, this is why we have special effects. <laughs> Kudos to you guys. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's get it out of the way. Uh-oh. Talk to me about Green Arrow. Uh
0: oh. Lord.
6: Um, um. Bad segue. They segway sound. are casting it.
4: Okay. And yeah. Bad yeah. segue. Yeah. I mean. And they here... never discussed it again. Moving on.
6: <laughs> um, well, here's oh. the thing. Here's the thing. You're you're looking for. They, they've started to cast. They put up descriptions of what they're looking for. So they're looking for Oliver Queen. They want a twenty-seven-year-old reformed bad boy. Uh, oh, who spent five years shipwrecked on a tiny island in the South China Seas? Yeah. Wait, uh, is
5: it Smallville all over again? Yes, oh, that's yeah, exactly
4: that's what it is. It's the except a little
6: bit Smallville, a little bit older, skewed a little bit older than Smallville. I mean,
4: <laughs> I, I think
6: th- I think that that's
4: driver's license age. I mean, what are we talking?
6: <laughs> well, twenty seven, twenty eight. I oh, mean. My. We're looking late 20s, but that's just first parole. It's not it's not unexpected. Like you're not going to see the classic Green Arrow Oliver Queen in his 40s. You're not going to see that. No, because it's no one wants to watch a show about a 40 year old guy unless he's some kind of like, you know, superhero drama (laughs) shit. Whatever. Like, oh, unless it's God. The Shield, you're not going to see that. He's not going to be, and especially not on CW. I mean, come on.
0: That's the CW right. is going to play to its lowest common denominator, which is, uh, you know, Teen Squee, and that's about it.
4: Okay, yeah. well, let's ask ourselves, who has like, the lowest common denominator, CW or Siffy?
0: CW at this CW. point, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, Everyone has
3: House of Anubis. Um <laughs> wrestling. Oh. Well, well that raise... was
5: on Siffy, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's
3: what I'm saying. My vote is for Siffy because wrestling. <laughs> also Mansquito. There. there. Shark yeah. to bus, shark FCW. The bus.
0: How about Lost Girl? See, I disagree.
4: Hey, we watched that again. Oh my god.
0: God. You know what?
6: I started watching that, and I really wonder why you think it's so great.
4: Thank For you.
5: No, I,
6: I did. Yeah, I I do because honestly,
5: the babes. here's
6: here's <laughs> what it reminds me of. It reminds me of the Secret Circle or um, <laughs> the Vampire Diaries. Hey, I like those older, shows. Kind of like
3: Leave me alone, God. <laughs> I like The Secret Circle, and I like The Vampire Diaries. Stephen is dreamy! (laughs) Sorry.
4: Okay. Getting
5: a lot loud there. The secret
4: secret lies in the mute button. (laughs) You don't have to listen to the show to enjoy it.
6: (laughs) I'm just just saying they're not particularly great shows. Uh, I mean, they're not particularly well-written. They're not... It, it, they're oh. they're not engaging except in a i'm gonna put this on while I do something else kind of way i'm not you know i i'll tell you here's here's the difference I just started watching Alcatraz and I don't know if you guys have seen it but i think it has the yes. potential to be one of the so best sci-fi boring. shows out there especially especially Java. with especially with the with the end of fringe coming about and
0: I've, I've got to tell you Java, I've gotta to somewhat of a problem with alcatraz i'm finding it very difficult to stay engaged with it to be honest with you
4: see we you like, I completely is? disagree
1: my who theory with is that it's time? hard to engage with alcatraz because you don't know who to root for like honestly right now i'm pissed with everyone but the fat guy <laughs> yeah. I'm He's the only one who I engage with. <laughs> well, Everyone else, I hate them. Well, yeah, but here's see, what they, I, they're, they're I don't want anyone to, win, and therefore deep, I don't care.
6: They're deep characters, and you can see that. Not the really. Characters no, on these shows like like deep. Secret Circle, they're they're completely flat. They're They're no, no, I, I disagree with you because no I, I, I don't think you've watched. I don't think you've watched enough
3: of it because I don't think that's true. And I think that uh, the Vampire Diaries, the
6: entire season uh, excuse, me, Circle, excuse me, excuse me, the Vampire Diaries has treated
3: certain characters in uh, ways and thing, have handled situations better than shows like Buffy handled them. It just sort of depends on your taste and whether you can watch something that involves high school age children if without growing up. If Buffy is your
6: out. is is your baseline, that that's a problem.
0: No, oh, that's a good
4: baseline. No, 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 that's a fine baseline. Oh, here we, we go. We would I'm like sorry. to remind our listeners that guest up up was, uh, was on, featured on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> no, no, I think the problem. I, like I think the problem with Alcatraz. That it, that, that's your baseline
6: for, for good.
3: I think the problem with Alcatraz is that yes. it was more interesting when I didn't know who to root for, but this past episode just totally lost me because it was just. There was nothing supernatural or cool about it at all. It, was, it could have been any cop drama whatsoever, honestly. I didn't care. And it was just a scumbag Except kidnapping a kid. Except that they're
6: coming from the past.
3: Yeah, okay, but they, they didn't even <laughs> talk about that once during the last episode. It was just like, oh, yeah, we found another bad guy. Oh, you he getting, kidnapped didn't a kid. did you see
6: the last five, like two minutes of the show where the doctor was there? A doctor that we hadn't seen in the in the modern era since then.
3: Yeah, right. but like it, 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 it still wasn't
4: like, like, like eh. Lost. It's a time travel issue,
3: and like Lost wasn't very good either. So. How Again, did Lost am finding,
0: what I'm having a problem with with Alcatraz, is the same thing that I'm not having a problem with with Lost Girl, and that is that there's enough given to you in each episode. To keep you involved and engaged. Oh, please. again, if you if you saw the last two minutes of last week's episode of Alcatraz, you went, oh, "Ooh, time travel!" Yeah, here we are. I was now we're back to what this is point. supposed to be about.
3: I was asleep at that point.
4: Okay,
0: as but, opposed you know, to the, Lost the, Girl. The
6: difference, the difference is that when you when you watch a show that is, they're they're aimed at different audiences. You're absolutely they're completely right. Completely aimed at yes. different audiences, That's and true. The, and the characters in Alcatraz, especially the main ones, you can see that that they they have complex issues and Please, emotions blonde. that they oh, need to work through. complex
3: issues! History of characters. my grandfather killed my partner. Yeah, and I'm
6: sorry, Whah. but the, every single character in the secret circle just goes for what they want right now. I, like, I feel like, that's more, tre- 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 I I feel like that's more true. I feel like that's more true to life circle. than I'm anything else. That the, cu- the blonde. Problem. Same thing goes for the same. Same thing goes for Lost. Lost Girl. They ju- the I've watched the first three episodes of Lost Girl, and not a single time has a choice that one of the characters has has made seemed believable. Not a single yeah. time.
3: I, I have examples, but, again,
6: but you I haven't seen them yet. Well. That's okay. I probably won't because the show doesn't. Yeah.
4: Uh, uh, you know what? I, I got to say Java uh, uh, this time. I am a hundred percent behind you. <laughs> I
3: completely... wait, wait, You're a hundred percent behind Buffy sucks.
4: No, I'm a hundred percent behind. I didn't say Buffy sucks. <laughs> I said, if it's a
6: baseline for good television, then it, that's, that's all right. All right. What's right. your baseline for better good television? television. Than Buffy.
3: What's your baseline for good television? Smallville. Um...
6: No, I would probably say, uh, well, Fringe is up there. It depends.
5: I would not say
3: it Fringe is better on, on,
5: than Buffy. Depends on the show. Sons talking. of Anarchy.
0: No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is a good point now because we're coming at this by saying, if this is what you think is good, then this isn't. And the problem is. We each come at this with our own set of biases. For me, being raised with Buffy as a landmark series, which in fact it was, a groundbreaking series in any number of different categories.
5: and made me cry. Multiple times.
0: Oh, and it made me dizzy.
4: Okay, okay. Cried.
3: Can can we just like take one more step back here? <laughs> and that that's not even actually what I said. What I sure. said was that the Vampire Diaries handled some situations where, in fact, there were similar situations in Buffy, and I think the Vampire Diaries handled the, handled them better, deeper, clearer, just than Buffy did. I'm not saying that that makes but it, it a wonderful it was, TV show. Uh, I'm just saying that it has merits, other than, you know, eye candy.
0: Of course. But the, rea- but the reality is, crown it came 10 years, almost 15 years after. And that's important that you look at if Buffy hadn't done what it did, when it did it, the way it did it, that couldn't have happened.
5: No, it probably could have. Uh. You may not like the we, original Star you know Trek, what? but, you know, without the original Star Trek, we wouldn't have... Lost in ne- Space. ...next generation. <laughs> uh, Shut up.
4: I, I, don't, I don't think that's quite an Oi! So, uh, what's the next well, bad segue? We could talk about this all night. We nearly have. So, um,
5: Speaking of Star Trek... Speaking of
0: Star Trek... <laughs> Please. Sure. Do we have an odd segue noise, please? I don't,
3: I don't have um. an odd one. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. speaking of...
4: Speaking of bad decisions, uh, there was a, something in the news this past week where um, this, this man um, broke up with his his wife back in 1994. They didn't actually get divorced. They just sort of were, like, living in separate houses. And she was still paying for his... And he ended up make turning it into the bridge of Voyager. <laughs> An authentic replica.
5: I can't imagine why they split up. And then Sorry.
4: just this year, she decided, you know what? I do want to divorce you. <laughs> so we have to sell the house and you have to destroy your life's work of the last 18 years.
0: The funniest part of that article, if you read it, if it comments underneath the yard.
4: Well, <laughs> it's like, dude, what made you think that you weren't going to sell the house at
0: some point? Um, and if yeah, you actually like want to the fact
1: the that house. he put 18 years into redoing it to make it look like the bridge of the Enterprise? Absolutely. Not the Enterprise. I mean, that would indicate the, uh, to me that Voyager. I was not planning Voyager, on selling my not the Enterprise, The, um, oh, the, the Voyager. armchair
0: Voyager. deluxe or whatever that one was. But they actually featured that apartment on the movie Trekkers. <laughs> and, and uh, gosh, who was it? Uh, the one who played the first security officer, played Tasha Yar. ER, can't think of her name. Uh, walked you through that apartment. It was the weirdest thing ever. And the guy standing there with his big ring going, oh, yes, I built this all myself. Oh,
3: it's, right. It's Enough it's with the offensive English lifelong. accent. It's
0: horrible. Just just scary and then why
3: does he sound out. like Russell Brand?
0: Because and, uh, he was. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and Katy Perry but, owns it now.
1: <laughs> but, but, if that but, gentleman would like to start rebuilding his life, he can yes. start on Etsy. Where if you have $3,100, you can buy your own coffee table, lovingly handcrafted, to look like a wooden version of the Starship Enterprise. And it's, it sounds ridiculous, and it is kind of ridiculous, but it's actually really, really cool. It's a beautiful okay,
4: I have game. a prediction. It is beautiful. The guy who built the dream home is going to buy the coffee table for his ex- As a way of saying, can't we just, you know, can I just keep the apartment? (laughs) I'll give you this.
0: Yeah, she'll take that as a peace offering, no problem. (laughs) There we go. Uh, The tragedy is she's a Babylon 5 fan.
5: But a bum. (laughs) And
0: speaking of the boldly go where Noanna has gone before. (laughs) Did anybody ever wonder what Uranus tastes like? I
4: know some people who are... Never. There goes the kindergarten demographic.
0: Here we go. We've lost them. Uh, there's a wonderful website called This is Why I'm Broke. <laughs> <laughs> and on this website, Sci Fi Saturday Night Diaries. <laughs> exactly. And on this website, you can buy the chocolate planets, our entire solar system in chocolate. And it's like 50 bucks. And it looks really cool. And each of the different planets has their own unique flavor. Uh, It looks really incredibly cool. The website is thisiswhyimbroke.com, and uh, I'm going to link you up to that. There is some incredibly cool stuff. The, The comment I like most on this one is, for $50, you could have at least thrown in Pluto.
4: I was going to say.
5: You know, I have to say something, though. Can I, just saying something to our, our do-it-yourself f- friends out there. There was somebody who did little cupcakes at one of the cons we were at. At granted, State Comic Con. The oh, yeah. s- they sold out of cupcakes, folks. If you would like to make some money, why don't you make some chocolates or something and bring it to one of the cons? You'll make some money. I'm just saying. And include like
4: Pluto solar system. They were just regular cupcakes with like pictures of Wonder Woman like stuck in them, right? Yep, pretty much. You
5: could, you could eat the pictures though. The, the pictures were made out of edible sugar. Oh my! <laughs>
4: so <laughs> you're telling
1: me you're, telling me you're telling me that I can eat classy, Wonder Woman?
5: <laughs>
4: woman. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. I, I'm telling
4: you there. that that tonight's snotty word is in fact shuttlecock. <laughs> 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 oh my! But speaking of... Um,
0: Shuttlecocks. <laughs> uh,
4: why are we bringing back Beauty and the Beast?
0: Because ABC has decided to do it in opposition to CW doing it, which is ridiculous. So both ABC and CW have uh, greenlit pilots. Um, is, I can just see Ron Perlman
4: reading the paper in the morning going the hell (laughs) i'm not done my biker show yet
0: you know it's interesting because it's pilot season now and there's a whole lot of stuff going on uh nbc just uh put together a pilot for something called beautiful people um and we thank you abc and you. (laughs) i kind of like the premise of this one but it's probably not going to happen uh Beautiful People is set in a world where humans and androids live together, but the machines are treated like second class <laughs> citizens. And uh, it looks like fun. It looks like fun. Because it's being put together by some guys who used to work on Mad TV. <laughs> huh. Oh. Yep, we're kind of in trouble.
6: Yeah. Oh, boy.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
5: Mm. Hey, guys, is it that time?
1: It's always that time. What time are we talking about?
0: We are talking for. Who's that at the door, ladies and gentlemen? It's Doug Jones.
2: Woohoo! Well, where's the where's the screaming crowd? What what is this? Woo-hoo! Trust me,
0: the screaming crowd is right here with you right now, Doug. It is such a pleasure to have you with us tonight.
2: Uh, the pleasure is all mine. After meeting you, nice folks at at that Wizard World convention. Where, where were we? Was that Philadelphia? Where was or uh, where were we? Boston. 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 Yes, uh, uh, I I fell in love with you all that night and uh, and decided well. So seeing your, your name come up in, on my press schedule was like oh, what?
6: Yes, woohoo! <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we liked so much just you, with you for gosh it was like 20 30 40 50 it was a couple of hours actually just kind of hung around with you and talked and did all kinds of neat stuff and
2: had a great time and
3: how'd you do a bumper
2: yeah that's right that's why i did a bumper for the show yeah that's what i love about those conventions anyway though is is the chance to hang out all day in a, in a forum where we can have access to each other you know uh uh the people who have, who have been watching the movies I've been in over the years and, and buying the, the DVDs and watching the TV shows I've been on uh, it's a chance for me to be able to hug on them and say thank you, thank you, I love you, I love you
5: <laughs> Doug, you give really good hugs.
2: Aww, well, Aww and, and so do you sweet pea, thank you <laughs> So
0: Doug is here tonight to talk about my very own book a book in which doug is a coffee table book.
2: It is, and uh, and it's a—it uh, it is a—it's a, a new type of endeavor for me, because um, you know, having been an actor for 26 years now uh, uh, in film and TV, I've never been in the publishing world before. So to have a book with my name on it is like, whoa, this is kind of cool. Uh, it a—it's <laughs> a, it's a coffee table photo book. So. So it's a larger format book, uh, full of uh, it's 241 pages of pictures and and what, what it is is me dressed up as a mime making fun of all history and pop culture, movies, TV shows, famous people. Nobody is safe from from our from our sense of humor, and uh, uh, so just to give you an example, the uh, the book has has a pictorial. Uh, sort of uh, uh, explorations of a mime is a terrible thing to the waste. Uh, once upon a mime, mime after mime, <laughs> mime over matter. Uh, <laughs> and and that, that list goes on. Then we also, we have different sections. Uh, our TV and film section is hilarious. We have uh, uh, my, my, my friend with Down syndrome, Josh Perry. He's a, he's the star of a very popular web series called Retarded Policeman. Uh, it's hilarious fun. and he, Oh, he, I
6: love that show.
2: Don't you love that show? It is one of the funniest things I've ever seen, let alone on the web. Uh, anyway, he he does a lot of appearances in this book as well. He's a very good friend of mine, and uh, so he and I posed together as uh, Crockett and Tubbs for Mimey Vice. Oh, nice! Yes, yes. Uh, he also, he also posed with me for our Dirty Miming movie poster. <laughs> And uh, we also have uh, 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 the miming instead of the shining with uh, Jack Nicholson. And I I get to play uh, him and uh, Shelley Duvall in the uh, in the poster of that one. Uh, And we we recreated these every angle, every every costume piece that we could, but all done with a white face and and a mime hat of some sort and white gloves. Um, So oh, and one of my favorites was the little mermime. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, you'll get you'll get to see me and little seashell pasties. Yes, you will.
1: <laughs> oh, well, there's right. a reason to buy the book, right there, right
2: there. That's right. Where can I I buy know. it right now, I need to buy it. <laughs> and we also uh, uh, great. We get to also send up some uh, famous people, like we have Marilyn Monroe in there. Uh, that's me. Yes, me in a wig and a dress. You're gonna love those. I got great legs. Um, wow. Doug awesome. Jones in a dress. You heard it here yes. first, folks. I know. And, and we, are, we are
4: 11 months away from Christmas.
0: <laughs> I know. Hey, Doug could, you talk to, Doug, could you talk for a minute about uh, working with Eric Curtis, who did all the photography for the book?
2: Yes. Eric Curtis is an absolute visual genius. The man uh, can make light dance around things like no other photographer I've ever seen before. He really does have a unique gift for lighting, um, and he does a lot of, of commercial photography. And this was his first foray into publishing as well. Not not only uh, uh, did my very own book go over so well with our publisher, they now they commissioned him to do another book after that, which I also make a guest appearance in. It's another coffee table photo book, and it is called uh, "Fallen Superheroes." And in that book, they, yes, it was. And this was Eric Curtis's idea too. Something he started doing years ago. And now that he had a, a publishing company to, to to house you know his ideas, uh, they're, they're making a book out of it. and that comes out later in the year, I think, in July. Um, that one uh, all the pages are full uh, of various people that, uh, various superheroes that never made it uh, for various reasons, whether they're social outcasts or uh, uh, you know physically deformed in some way, uh, something that kept them from being their, the full superhero they should be. So my character. Uh, is is like a oh gosh about an eight page spread uh, in there of me playing an angel uh, with he- ginormous feet. My name is Healing Feet. <laughs> my, my, my flaw, my flaw, my flaw is that uh, my I come from a long line of angels with with healing hands. Then the, so their hands are enlarged, and they, whatever they lay their hands on is healed. And my my something went wrong my birth defect was that that the gift went to my feet instead. And nobody really wants to have me lay my feet upon them. So, so I'm kind of so I'm sort of banished to suburban life. I, you know, check the mailbox and sit out in the backyard and feed the birds. And I don't have much to do anymore.
5: So it's kind of like the, <laughs> the book about the island of misfit toys. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. Only we're a bunch of misfit heroes. So so that's the book Fallen Superheroes coming out later in the summer. Uh, done by the same photographer, Eric Curtis, who did My My Very Own Book, which is available right now. Oh, and if,
6: uh, I, on Amazon because I've go. got it in my cart.
2: Do you? Right now. The shopping out. cart. Yeah, if, if you look at Amazon.com and the book section. Yes. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> somehow
0: I think we're going to post that link on the website. I don't Would, know why. It,
2: or, Uh, Yeah, you know, and if you shop at Amazon, um, they're offering a really like a 40% off deal. I don't get retails for 27 something, but it's uh, they're offering it for 15 dollars and some odd cents on Amazon, which for a table photo book of this of this caliber, uh, uh, that's really cheap. The it's on really fine paper and it's a good good heavy book.
0: So, Doug, did they come to you with uh, the text already written and say we want this picture, this picture, this picture? Or was yeah, it a you know, collaborative effort? How did
2: it? How did? It, how did it get into your hands? Right. Um, well, I, I met the publisher uh, Adam Mock, who's also one of our authors. He, he was one of our conceptual guys as well. I had a party. I met him at a party uh, uh, out here in LA. It was a it was a publishers party for um, for horror fiction writers, and I was I was a, a celebrity guest at this event. Well, he got a picture taken with me, and then said you know, told me who he was, where he's from, and he knew that I had a background as a mime from years ago, and he said that idea intrigued him. He said, how would I put a mime into a book? And I said, well, maybe a photo book. Then it was like, click, ding, let's go. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so that's when we, when we pulled in my, one one of my best friends in the world is Scott Allen Perry, and he's one of, I uh, pulled him in with all of his wacky ideas. He's a great director and a fun actor, uh, and he, he directed our photo shoot as well. So by the time in the months that followed that that conversation uh adam mock and scott perry and and i were back and forth on emails for months tossing ideas around and when you get a bunch of goofy friends in a room and say let's come up with as many puns as we possibly can involving mimes uh the the ideas never stop and that's why it got to 241 pages so uh, so you know just some of the uh, they, they, they were really responsible for the bulk of the ideas. I just had to show up and and go through more costume changes, uh, uh, an hour of makeup uh, and, and posing and finding those moments on that were golden to, to click on, you know for the photographer. So that was my responsibility. And uh, I did come up with Venus de Mimelo and uh, um. uh, <laughs> and the uh, el- and there's one in there called uh, uh, a one track mime where uh, it's me walking on a railroad track. It's a very artsy shot um and we've also got um, oh and the idea in the middle of the book is a flip movie there's about 40 pages in the middle of the book that if you flip it you'll see me in the bottom corner of the page uh, uh doing a little mime routine for you
3: i just i just saw the john and yoko mime picture and the Marilyn yes. one
2: yes what that yes we uh, have great we, legs uh, we we recreated famous photos and artworks like that so yeah famous picture where yoko ono's lying on a bed with her hair splayed out and john lennon was naked it like sprawled on her uh of course i wasn't naked in this i'm wearing a mime leotard but yeah, but that's <laughs> the funny that's where the funny is
3: and then the, the michael jackson ones are fantastic
2: the michael J- now that was one of my favorite sections of the entire book because i'm a huge michael jackson fan if, if you think about it he was a couple years older than me so when we were kids uh, you know he was like this child icon for all of us especially being a tall skinny kid as he grew up and you know it's like oh good a a tall skinny one made it out there and is making something of himself maybe there's (laughs) hope you know so so uh, for me being you know six three and 140 pounds that made perfect sense to me to you know emulate his his work ethic and his his commitment to performance and his commitment to his fans uh so so to do an homage to him uh, in the middle of of our of our pop culture section of the book was just an absolute treat for me
1: now do you dance or did you just try to pose like you were dancing
2: we pulled up we pulled up uh, with Michael Jackson as we did with any other celebrity or any other famous piece of artwork or poster or whatever that we emulated uh, we pulled up the original images Um, uh, so we had screens all over the studio with me trying to inch for inch angle for angle match what we had seen in these pictures so uh, so we we found Michael Jackson photos, and I just kind of tried to move through a bunch of various poses. And uh, I'm glad you're not seeing the video of it because I would probably embarrass myself. But the still photos look great. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I also well, love the uh, the puns for the TV shows. The crime yes. scene investigation, the Miami Vice ones.
2: Yes. Well, a mime scene investigation. Yes. yes.
3: Get it right. And, and
2: I, I love yes. The, the I, I I was looking over my shoulder. Yes, I looked over my shoulder with my sunglasses. Like, uh, what was it, David uh, Caruso? Was that his name? Yes. Yeah, yeah the the redheaded guy, uh, and yep. and the cr- the crime is like a mime who died inside a box. You, you could tell he suffocated. So there's just <laughs> there's, there's, there's a chalk drawing on the ground around me that's just a, a box drawing uh, in <laughs> chalk. And I'm lying in in the box like with my tongue hanging out with my hands up on the on the edges of the what, what would be a box, but it's not there. Cause it's <laughs> mine.
3: And then the dirty dancing or dirty miming as you
2: do it, yes, I love very that.
3: provocative.
2: It is, it is, and it looks just like the poster, right?
3: Yes, it does.
2: Yes. <laughs> hey, Doug,
4: yes. if we could talk about uh, some of your other roles for a moment, sure. Uh, right now, there's a, a show on called Face Off. Yes. Where yes, where they're talking about all the uh, the makeup artists, and one of their challenges we saw was that they had to design makeup that had to be in a effective underwater and, and the first thing i thought of well, what about abe sapien
2: i know i saw that episode myself and i thought well i wonder if abe sapien inspired that i um i uh, actually know a few, a few of the people on the show um the the oh. the, the host uh, Mackenzie westmoreland and um two of the judges uh, uh v neal she made she did my makeup in uh, batman returns and Glenn Hetrick did my makeup for, and, and he created all my arms and legs for um, Legion. That cameo I did as the Ice Cream Man. Oh, nice.
0: So what do you think when you watch that? Does it bring back memories of <laughs> the hours that you spent getting yeah, ready
2: for well, parts? I will tell you what. It, it's uh, I, I was watching the show the other night with Mrs. Laurie here in our, in our our in our TV room. And I said, I finally understand why doctors do not come home from work and watch ER or House. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because right? I, I, like I had just got, because I just wrapped a couple days ago. I just wrapped a movie in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm back in LA now. Uh, I just wrapped uh, Neighborhood Watch with uh, Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill. Uh, big silly comedy where I played an alien from outer space. Uh, so this is, I've been on it for a few months and, you know, in a heavy prosthetic, you know, uh, 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 alien suit with a mechanical face and everything. And to come home from that and watch face off was like, oh, you know, I, I just don't need to see. <laughs> I don't need to see it. <laughs>
4: huh. But I mean, did um did you actually now? I've I've got to know now. Did you actually have any problem when you were down in the tank, of having like the makeup come off, of breathing? You know, any <laughs> any other ex- extraneous thing you might want to do.
2: <laughs> well, uh, 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 you know, here I'm going to let you in on a little industry secret. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This is a secret. Okay. Uh, not really though, because it's on the bonus features, but. Um, at least I think it is. Uh, I when when doing the Abe Sapien role, uh, now if you notice in, in, in Hellboy one, I was in the water quite a bit. In Hellboy two, I was only in the water in that opening scene where I'm in my tank, and then uh, the rest of the time I'm out on dry land. But any any uh, scenes of me in the water tank were if you saw me from head to toe swimming around, that was a CG character. And ah. if you saw close ups of me in a in a tank. Uh, that would be me in a dry room suspended from wires with water added in later uh, via computer graphics. Oh. So So you never actually had to be a lot. (laughs) So my entire life is a big fat lie, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You
0: know, it's funny because we were talking, I was talking to a couple of people at work today about CG effects and how uh, they were looking at a before and after shot, and didn't realize just how much in this particular shot had been CG would until they saw what the original shot looked like. And to hear that without ever having gone and looked at the special features in the DVD, there's just no way of knowing.
2: Right, right. Well, a CG has gotten that good. Uh, you know, what, what, what we know. I get asked a lot about prosthetics. You know, like practical makeup on film that, that an actor is wearing versus computer graphics that are added in later Uh, i get asked about that a lot and i think uh, the the best mix is when they are mixed when you have a a practical effects makeup that is applied to someone and then have computer graphic enhancements on that later Uh, a perfect example would be uh, the beautiful silver surfer that i got to play in the fantastic four sequel yes Um, that was started with me in a you know, a a foam latex rubber costume and makeup that was glued on to me that reshaped my body and face into that beautiful being of the surfer. And then they had uh, Weta Digital uh, that brought you the uh, computer graphics that they put over me later that would be, uh, you know, enhance the sparkle and and give me a sheen and a shimmer that came from outer space. And uh, where you can see the difference, though, is when in the movie where, uh, in the Silver Surfer, when I lost my surfboard and was separated from it and lost my power, um, yeah, uh, I got more tarnished colored and weaker uh, during those sequences. Um, it is uh, the, the CG effect went away from all of me. It was just me in the costume and makeup with a little bit of CG over my eyes to take the blue out, and that was about it. Hmm. Oh. And if you look at if you look at the Abe Sapien character from the Hellboy movies, um, that is all practical makeup on film. But where CG came in handy was that the the, the mask was so tight to my face. There was no room to put in a mechanism to make the eyes move or blink, uh, so anytime you see eyelids come and blink over my eyes in Abe Sapien uh, as Abe Sapien in Hellboy one or two, that was all done via computer graphics after afterwards.
1: Oh wow. wow! Did they do anything like watch you in time? How often you blink your eyes so that they could put it in realistically? I guess would be the word.
2: Right. Well, they. Uh, I was wearing a mask. You know, with those eyes. Uh, set open all the time uh, on set so they couldn't really see my eyes behind it so there was no telling when but but you know when you get a good cg artist and you get a team of people uh, that also think like actors and editors they're the ones who can who can see what a natural person would do in that moment if you're tilting your head and you're between words while you're talking or you're taking a pause that blinks work in naturally if you, if you just you know if you have somebody with some good intuition like that
0: as an actor who's spent as much time as you have in prosthetics and makeup and pretty much separated from the audience by that, how is it that you've been able to bring out such emotion in all the characters that you've brought out?
2: Right. well because when you're piling you know a five hour makeup job onto someone's face <laughs> and body, you wonder how can they emote anything through that, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, um, I, I think instead of looking at it as something between me and the camera, uh, I like to think of it as a second skin. It, it becomes a part of me. It's a new ecosystem. It's a new, it, it, is, it is a new being that I've become. And uh, I, I, just, I try to let it work for me instead of against me. Um, So
6: it's kind of, it's kind of like the same as a stage actor thinks about a costume.
2: Sure. Mm. You know, or a pair of shoes. Yes. Um, It can, it can change the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you gesture, the way you tilt your head. Um, All that can, can enhance the makeup that you've been, uh, that's been applied on you. Um, You might find some limitations too, like. Uh, when you were rehearsing the role at home, you might have your arms straight over your head, like, flapping around wildly. Well, you get the costume on, and you can only lift your arms up to a 90-degree angle. Well, you got to change that, then, don't you? <laughs> and and work in that to his to your character's uh, his being, his wants, his needs, and all that. Is someone dragging a rake across uh, the lawn? What is that? <laughs> no <I'm>
4: kidding. <laughs> we were just wondering back. that ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, the, the the leaves are just piling up and it really Java, what have we told what, you? You have to understand, Doug, the sci-fi network is insanely jealous of us <laughs> and we'll stop at nothing to interfere with our broadcast.
2: Oh, is that what it is? Interference? It's that like a scary. static from above?
4: And, uh,
0: you know, <laughs> it's I, One I, of I, the I things understand. that I've noticed completely is the range of different characters that you've played um, as the quiet man in hush and in buffy the vampire slayer mm. the silver surfer who should have no emotion uh, based on what the character is and yet is incredibly emotive from time to time uh, when i mentioned your name to a friend of mine he said Oh, yeah, I remember him from Hocus Pocus. The
3: lovable zombie.
0: No,
2: I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and everybody, everybody has a different favorite that they hook onto and go, yeah, but he was
2: really great when he did... Mine is Ape Sapien. <laughs> no, that, that is... You know, thank you, sweet pea. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I have been truly blessed uh, in this career of mine to, to not just have, you know, one title that people know from, but but to, to, to have this happen, you know, where uh, people will surprise me and say, you know, my favorite thing you ever did was, you know, was Hocus Pocus or, um, you know, which is a movie that's, that's 18 years ago when that came out.
3: They still uh, play it every year on Disney.
2: It became, it, it, it had a life of its own. It is grew in popularity as the years have passed, and which I never saw coming, you know. So uh, that coupled with you know, Pan's Labyrinth and the the worldwide reach that that one's had, um, and uh, and uh, and the Silver Surfer, of course, with the the more mainstream comic book uh, audience, um, and 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 even even I, I had somebody stop me in an airport recently and said, "Excuse me, are you an actor?" And I said, "Yes," and he said. I just saw a movie with you on Netflix called My Name is Jerry. And I said, yeah, I played Jerry, uh, which is like, you know, a little indie film with me playing a middle-aged white guy going through midlife crisis. And uh, so I've been very blessed to do a number of roles that that, that somehow resonate with people over the years. I'm I'm very happy about it.
5: Doug, I wanted to ask, you know, the uh, some of the things going back to special effects. There was uh, the story that on The Wizard of Oz, they were trying, the original Tin Man was supposed to be Betty Epson, and then he ended up not being able to do it because he was very allergic to the paint that they were using or something. Have you ever had a role that it just didn't work out because some whatever they wanted to do didn't interact properly with your your system for some reason?
2: thankfully no that has never happened um you know gosh I I was I've I've heard about these allergies and things that people some people have an allergy to latex to the the substance which if that was the case I would have to be I'd have to be a plumber wouldn't I (laughs) so uh yes no I've never never had that happen I've heard the buddy Upson story before too and and that would be, can you imagine, can you imagine being that close to a classic film role that would, that would last for generations to come and being like, oh, no, my face is breaking out in hives? Yeah, they very well could, you know. Yeah. That's,
4: that's something I wanted to ask you about myself. Um, I, we, I, I got to talk to you at the Rock and Shock convention, horror show in Worcester, Mass uh, a few years uh-huh. ago. And at that time, it looked like uh, Guillermo was going to do at the Mountains of Madness. And yes. you were going to be with that. And now it, uh, that's unfortunately fallen by the wayside. Yeah. Uh, do you think you and Guillermo are ever going to be working again in the future? So I think you guys just seem to have a chemistry.
2: Yeah, we, we do. And I, I he's my favorite director I've ever worked with. Uh, oh, really? Especially... Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and any other director that I work with knows that Guillermo's my favorite, so they're going to have they have a, a tough act to follow. <laughs> um, <There> you <laughs> but uh, you know, we, after we've done four films together, um, you know, uh, we start. I met him on Mimic, and then uh, right. then there was Hellboy one, Hellboy two, and Pan's Labyrinth. Um, you know, he that that man changed my life, uh, and he you know he he's the one who turned the page on me being, you know, that that unknown tall skinny actor who does monsters. To uh, you know, to people calling me a movie star, it's because of Guillermo del Toro writing brilliant roles for me that that are a throwback to the golden era where Boris Karloff and Lon Chaney and Bela Lugosi could be, you know, these these fantastical monsters on film that uh, that people thought of as movie stars because they were just written so deliciously and given such respect, you know, uh, on film. He's that kind of director. Right. Well, so that, that actually leads in the future, to a though? new. Okay. The future, yes. Uh, well, you know, over the last few years, uh, he, he was attached to, to direct The Hobbit, if you remember, um, and then, then had to pull himself off of that because it was being postponed and postponed and postponed because of a lot of legal issues, financial issues, studio issues that were none of his fault. Uh, but now all of a sudden it was backing up into his other contracts. Well, after he departed from uh, The Hobbit, he then he did start to develop uh, at the Mountains of Madness over at Universal Pictures, and they got right to the, right to the edge. They were two days from greenlighting it, and then, then it came down to an impasse where uh, he needed to keep it an R rating because of the intensity of the story. Uh, it's based on the H.P. Lovecraft right. uh, book, oh. and, and it really, uh, to soften the, the, the edges on it would have been a compromise to his artistic sensibility. So he was really sticking with an R rating and universal pictures was saying with the budget you need for this, we cannot do an R rating because right. It, right. You know, they, can't, they can't guarantee that kind of, uh, of payback. So, uh, so then that, that became a little thing, the, the back burner thing. Then he went on. Now he's in Toronto, Canada directing uh, another Epic film called Pacific Rim. And uh, all, all I know about this one is that it involves um, giant robots, uh, being fought off, or no, giant robots fighting off giant aliens, and because of the giant factor, um, I think there's going to be a lot of CG used in this. Now, he, Guillermo, loves to do practical makeups on people. And that's why we've worked together so much, and that's why he keeps coming back for me. Bless his heart. Uh, this one sounds like it's going to be a lot of digital effects. So, um, uh, so I have not, uh, I have not been contacted for this particular job, and, and which is okay wow. because. At the same time, like I said, I was just working on Neighborhood Watch anyway, so I was already, you know, committed. Uh, right. But but what we do have uh, down coming down the pipeline is um, Frankenstein. He has in development over at Universal Pictures right now. Oh, um, that's still on. Yes. Oh, as far as I know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he he just this past summer in August uh, submitted his synopsis uh, uh, treatment to them. He does not have a full script yet. He's taking his sweet time with this one because. Frankenstein is his lifelong passion, childhood, you know, dream project. Uh, so for him to rush into it or to to slap a script out quickly would do a very a big disservice to it, to the dream that he has. So he's going to take his time with this one. And <clears throat> the makeup design has already been started uh, based on the artwork of Bernie Wrightson, who did an illustrated version. Oh, <laughs> oh,
0: wow.
2: Yeah. So uh, I've seen this design. I've seen the makeup pieces that they've made for me off my life cast already, and it. I'll tell you what. When I walked into the creature shop and saw a life-size bust of myself as Frankenstein's monster, on based on that artwork, I teared up a little. I'm not going to lie. It, it was that hauntingly beautiful. Yeah. So, so if uh, my my uh, I, I'm hoping that sometime before I die we get to make this movie. Uh, it would be. It would be my biggest regret if we didn't get to.
4: Oh, my God. Uh, Doug, just next time you see Guillermo, I, obviously, you know, this sort of thing needs to be hyped. And nothing screams hype better than a podcast interview. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Great. Yeah, Guillermo is welcome here anytime. Absolutely,
2: <laughs> of course he is. Oh, wow.
1: As are you, Doug Jones.
2: Well, thank you. You guys are so awesome and precious and sweet and lovable and pettable and huggable.
0: <laughs> uh, but
2: I win the bet because you didn't call her
0: pretty princess yet.
1: Oh, well, but, but now you've told him. <laughs> well,
2: you know the thing is, if I if I saw you in front of me, I would normally cup your face and say, "Aren't you a pretty little princess?" <laughs> It, it's harder when I when I'm on an audio Skype and I can't I can't reach out and touch your face and look at you.
3: Well that the means we're is, just gonna have to meet in person again.
2: I guess so.
0: <laughs> the book is written by Scott, Allen Perry, and Adam Mock. Photographs are by Eric Curtis. The forward is written by Josh Ponsman Perry. Yes. And the photographs are of the incredible, wonderful gentleman. Doug Jones. The uh, book is called My Very Own Book. Doug, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you.
5: of us have bought it already. At least Java and I've already
2: bought it. <laughs> yes. So this podcast sold two copies. So good. Yay. Right. Oh go. uh, no! Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm, uh, there's no better place to to push your product than with family. So thank you. I think of you that way. Aw. Thank you, Doug.
0: X, take it away, my
4: friend. Next week, Pam Larson, Mary Dumas, and Adam Ferraro explain why not a con isn't like any con you've ever been to. Then on February 11th, speaking of cons, Jeff Page brings anime to New Hampshire with the Queen City Kamikaze. On February 18th, we wrap with Cap, Comic Archive Project President Megan Higgins, on their efforts to save original Golden Age comic art. And on February 25th, giant robots, Frankie B. Washington returns with the latest on robot god Akamatsu. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic-Con and of Comic Art House, your one and only source for original comic artwork. Visit Bob and Kim at ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold the
0: Folk, at RobWattsOnline.com. Dome. I want to thank Doug Jones for joining us tonight. It was a wonderful, marvelous, terrific, beautiful, lovely interview from the Revere Time Vortex, the Sweetheart of the Soundboard, Criana and Grammar Girl's Zombrarian. Thank you for all you do. From the Four Color Vault of Comics, thanks to illustrator x and the dead redhead from outpost gallifrey our gaming editor awake by java and from the mausoleum thank you drew it's always good to have you with us this is dome saying genie shared pain is lessened shared joy is increased thus do we all refute entropy good night everyone